Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the finale episode of the World Cup 2022 podcast, the WC 2022 podcast. I am your host, Owen, and I am here with the one and only... Your co-host, Josh. I need like a little... Yeah. I think, I think, I mean, for, for all our lives, we'll look back on World Cup 022 and, uh, and remember it. Boy, was it special. I I don't even have words. I, so my first, man, my first like real World Cup memory was 02. So it was the summer after my eighth grade year, I guess. Twenty and a half years ago. Seventh grade year, something like that. Yeah, it's a long time ago. <clears throat> and I was um, Brazil won that year, and I was at my friend's house. His name is Ross, and uh, we were we were just kind of sitting in the in the living room at his house his family was south african and so you know soccer obviously was a big deal not quite as big as rugby or cricket really but way bigger than like baseball or football for them and uh this was like ronaldo in his heyday ronaldo carried this team to a the the og ronaldo the real ronaldo not the cristiano version the real ronaldo um the brazilian carried them to victory in this game the brazilian one carried brazil to victory in this game scored two goals and I remember just laying on the floor in their living room watching this game and thinking wow this is so special and this is such incredible energy and I just love everything about this it paled in comparison to what we saw yesterday it already feels like it was such a historical moment that it was like two weeks ago already Uh uh-huh like coming down off of it was such a significant thing mm-hmm. that I'm like, okay, holy crap! It feels like it was so long ago now, but it was yesterday, and it was the best World Cup final in our. I mean, it's the the best that I since we've been alive. Yeah, I mean, before yesterday, we would have said this was a great tournament. Like as far as the football goes, um, lots of. Excitement in the groups, um, some great games throughout, and this final was just like a whole nother level. It was unbelievable. I mean, so there were so many things at play. In a lot of other tournaments, you see like player of the tournament is done and dusted Mm -hmm. when you get into the final. You have the golden boot is done and dusted. There's a chance that somebody in the final can score four goals and take the golden boot. Uh, which, of course, Golden Boot being the most goals scored in the tournament. And all of those things were very much at play in this. And I think that added to the excitement on top of it being everything that a good final should be. You had a seesaw back and forth for player of the tournament and Golden Boot between Kylian Mbappe and Lionel Messi the entire game. Yeah. I mean, it was absolute insanity. 
Yeah, no question. Absolute insanity. Yeah, if it was an average final, I probably would have, you know, my mind would have been on Pulisic's uh, pelvic contusion, if he's doing okay, wondering how that's looking. Um, <laughs> but I didn't think about that Will once. Be okay for 2026, you know, yeah. Didn't, didn't, yeah. it didn't cross no. my mind. It, I thought his pelvis didn't cross my mind once. And I, I just, so, I mean, this first half, right, it, France looked gassed. They looked uninterested. Mm-hmm. And Argentina came out the gates and they attacked, attacked, attacked. I thought Di Maria, he, he wound the clock back five years. Oh, man. To like prime Di Maria. This is a guy who didn't start a lot of the games in this tournament. Didn't start the last two games. Was and came in, started this match. Was this his first World Cup goal? It might have been something crazy like. I don't know if it was his f- first. I mean, he scored for Argentina. I don't know if it was his first World Cup goal. You might have to. I might have to look for that stat next time you're talking. But he wound the. Cl- I mean, this guy is 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 Messi's peer, right? So they came into the Argentinian system around the same time, Di Maria a little bit after, because, you know, Lionel Messi is a different level. <clears throat> but they're the same age, 34, 35. And, you know, this will be both their last World Cups. Di Maria, of course, doesn't get as much love as Messi because he's the Argentinian that's not as good as Messi, but still very good. He's played for PSG, currently plays for Juventus. And he was exceptional this game. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Messi, you know, you didn't see, you don't really see him defending. People talk about how he walks around a lot. And... <laughs> but I saw him for the first time, maybe in my life, slide tackle somebody uh-huh. <laughs> at their at the Argentinian eighteen yard. Like he wasn't even on their side of the field; he was on his side of the field, mm-hmm. flailing himself in front of the ball. The Argentinians wanted this game more in the beginning and by the time i got to halftime it's 2-0 argentina i'm thinking well you know we've watched just an incredible argentinian side and i'm so happy for messi that he's going to get his world cup yeah absolutely if the and game that was, that was it i was <laughs> like okay if the game ended 2-0 at halftime and that was the end of it we would have said wow what a great performance um a strong argentina team went out and beat it like made a strong french team look foolish and um it would have uh, it would have been like a good good game, but uh, yeah, forty five minutes is not not how it ends. And yeah, Messi Messi gets in like battles over fifty fifty balls and um, goes shoulder to shoulder all the time. But you don't see him tracking back uh, all that all that way and slide tackling for uh, for defensive plays. And um, if I recall, France didn't have a shot on target in the first half. Um, so yeah, it was pretty overwhelming, pretty overwhelming the first half. And it took until late in the second for, uh, things to turn around a bit. I mean, France, France had first half subs, did they not? Or did they wait until halftime? France had just before halftime, they subbed off Olivier Giroud and Ousmane Dembele. And Dembele is the guy who gave up the terrible penalty. It was bad. It was obviously a penalty, but it was a terrible foul. You know, he he was being asked to do too much to begin with. You don't want Dembele defending. You just don't want him to defend. Yep. Um, Because he's very gifted offensively going forward. But, you know, yeah, he got taken off here. Giroud got taken off, which I thought, honestly, was a little bit unfair to Giroud. Yeah. I, I understood what the French were trying to do, and ultimately it worked. But I didn't think Giroud was having a bad game. 
Yeah. Um, I, I felt like the Dembele substitution was called for, but I probably, based on those first half performances, would have taken off Rabiot mm-hmm. and, and brought in somebody else that, that could have been a more... Maybe you still bring on Thuram, I think, was the other one that came on at that point, who's more of a forward. He can play on either wing. But you bring him on to play that 10 or beside Giroud, and you know you drop Griezmann into into a four-man midfield. But the Argentinian midfield outran and outplayed the French midfield for the entire first half, and it wasn't even close. I mean, you had these massive gaps of space where... You know, Messi was getting forward, and Di Maria especially. Di Maria was drawing in. He was drawing Dembele back, Kunde back, Chouameni back. I mean, he, there were times where he was he had pulled three or four French players out of position. And I'm I'm looking at the team sheets right now on here, and I wish I could actually share my screen for the listeners because I'm looking at the team sheets here, and it's really messing with me. They have Argentina as dark blue circles <laughs> and France as light blue circles. What the hell, guys? <laughs> so you have, I mean, Di Maria is pulling all these guys out of position constantly, and there are these massive gaps of space. And you have people like McAllister, who we've talked about. This guy played out of his skin all tournament. If I'm you, Josh, as a Liverpool fan, mm-hmm. I am turning down all of the Enzo Fernandez talk. Mm-hmm. From Benfica, mm-hmm. and I'm saying no. Get me McAllister because he played better in this tournament, and he's already played in the Premier League. But anyway, conversation for a different day. These guys were exceptional, and they filled in all these spaces, and they outplayed every single player in their position, and they created overloads everywhere. It was amazing. It was so fun to watch. Yeah, yeah. You, every name that's been mentioned in connection to Liverpool would be an upgrade to our midfield at this point. So um, I'm not going to complain if, um, well, that's true. <laughs> um, but setting all that aside, uh, yeah, it was, so getting into the second half, it was a little more even, but it took until pretty late for, um, for France to start getting back into it. Right. So penalty conceded in 80th minute. Yeah. Yeah, so this is the crazy thing on this game. I mean, it was it it, it was the best, first of all, um, and I I'm gonna probably say that a few more times. But it took until yes, very late in this game for uh, for Mbappe. It it again wasn't a great it wasn't great defending. Uh, the penalty conceded just was 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 pretty pretty bad but it was the 80th minute it was the 80th minute when it finally went in and you know it it changed the game and and you heard uh, i think it was Stu Holden that was coming on this game at least on the US Fox broadcast and he said and this is something that you hear very commonly that a 2-0 lead is the most dangerous lead and you see it time and time again where you know, if you're at 1-0, you're still kind of playing the game as you sought out to play the game. But what happened here is that Argentina, around the 60 or 70 mark, made some changes. They took off Di Maria, who was having the game of his life, getting forward, and they brought on another left back. And what that did is it was sort of an admission of, all right, France, now come get the game, which is the same thing that Argentina did against the Netherlands. And guess what? The Netherlands came and got the game. Mm-hmm. And... The exact same thing happened here. The second I saw Di Maria's name go up there, I thought, oh, guys, 
don't do this. Please don't do this again. And then sure enough, they can see this penalty and man, the penalty, whatever. Mbappe's second goal. Oh yeah. It it's still oh, holy crap. Yeah, it still took uh, a special player grabbing the game by the scruff of the neck and uh, bringing it back. And good grief. <laughs> it was unreal. It was unreal. And so, you know, you saw Messi take away the golden boot with his first goal in this game. Then you see Killian tie him back up and take the lead again on it. Yeah, it's, <laughs> this game, the seesaw was so fun. Uh-huh. But these, these goals happen a minute apart yep. in this game. Yep. And Mbappe, a first-time volley from right about the top corner of the 18-yard. I mean, it was such a good strike. Mm-hmm. Absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, thumped it. And... Man, he yeah, he thumped the crap out of it. And honestly, I thought France I thought France might get another one. They looked really, really dangerous after this. I mean, they just threw all of the offensive players on the field and told them just go run around and try to score. Uh one of the things that we've talked about several times that I thought Argentina was very effective with in all but maybe the last ten minutes of this game was Griezmann did not get to Rome like he has in a lot of these other games. He didn't get to play the number ten. He was forced back into a defensive position as kind of the center of a three midfield when they really did not want to play that way. Um, but he came to life a little bit later in the game. And, you know, Argentina makes these substitutions that end up being just really kind of tough on them. <laughs> and uh, and France pull back too very, very quickly to, to end regulation. I mean, golly. It's 2-0, and it's been a great display. And then France starts to come back, and then France does come back because it's a World Cup final, and that's what you want, mm-hmm. especially if you don't have a dog in the fight. I can imagine all the Argentinians back home in Buenos Aires thinking, oh, my gosh, <laughs> this is the worst. But as, as a neutral, as somebody who, you know, the only dog in this fight that I have is that I would love to see Messi get a World Cup. But ultimately, if he doesn't get one, okay, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, you know, it, it was perfect. It was a perfect storybook ending to these 90 minutes. Um, and I just, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Yeah. So regulation ends 2-2. Two, two. Extra time. <laughs> yeah. And then you think everyone's going to play for the penalty shootout like Croatia does, right? Because that's... That's the strategy. Yeah, I think what was my God. I think what was particularly exciting about this game is how much both teams were attacking on the wings, um, really going after it, like beating beating their defenders. Um, which as soon as you can get inside a defender, you've got the shoot and the cross options. It's a lot. It's a lot of possibilities that open up. Like if I'm thinking back to the USA games. Um, we're we're getting it wide, but then we're uh, then we're crossing it, and I mean, if you get a good cross in, that could be a little exciting. But it's it's tough if you, especially if your crosses are not working. Um, and yeah, it's just not nearly as uh, doesn't have quite the build up as um, what we were seeing for I mean this entire game. But uh, Argentina's third goal was um, just that playing and a couple good passes um and then crashing the goal like a like a hockey player at the end <laughs> making sure you put in any kind of rebound 
Yeah, so that was one that's interesting you bring that up. That was one thing I was thinking about actually during this game is we just we did not see a lot of crossed headed goals. Not just in, in this game, but just throughout the tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, and all of these goals in this game that were from open play, which was only, what, three of the six, were uh, were very direct goals. Yep. I mean, they, they were very direct, played through the middle, played you know within the confines of the 18, uh, and just exceptional individual efforts. Uh, it, it was, you know, my first thought on the on the first goal in overtime, Messi's goal was, okay, now this is done and dusted, of <laughs> course. But the second you see it, I was like, oh, no, Martinez is offside. Well, of course, it was a little comical after the fact because I don't, I don't know if you noticed this, but when they did the VAR review, they showed the image. <laughs> and Upamecano is sticking out his rump uh-huh. to keep Martinez on side on this one. <laughs> And the outline was just like, dude's got his trunk and it's sticking out and it's keeping him on. So uh, it was it was a it was a great goal, but again, very direct goal. And you know, you're thinking, all right, this is it now. Yeah, we're good, right? Well, here's the thing. I know a lot of people don't want to see um, big games decided by penalties, but um... The three penalties during regulation, I thought were all very fair calls. Like it's not like someone messed up a conceit, like gave a ref didn't give a penalty that shouldn't have happened. Um, I think some people might have thought the, the third, officiating was fantastic. I'd, it should be said. I thought so. The officiating was fantastic, which is another like. I mean, you, when it when it's when it's going well, you don't notice it, and when it's going poorly, you're like these refs, and it ruins the game. But um, yeah, I, the third penalty. Um, Someone might say that was harsh to call a handball there, but I don't think so. I mean, I think that's um, pretty unnatural position where it made contact um, of a strike coming in. So, yeah, um, Mbappe gets his gets his chance for a hat trick, um, and there's um, I mean, there's mind games there because you've you've already taken a penalty in the game. So, do you go to the same place? Do you what do you do? You change it up and. Um, of course, I mean the. I think the only sour note of all of all of yesterday was freaking Martinez um, in goal for Argentina. Um, not even like his games. Like not it. even his gamesmanship antics. Like I understand that, but just the like shithousery of the uh, stuff like after the game ends or yeah, just the <laughs> like. You see that? I didn't see any of the after the game end stuff. Uh, let me send you this image of what he did with his uh, Golden Glove trophy. Um, it's it's uh, so obnoxious. That's, that's gonna put a sour taste in my mouth because I, I I sort of did appreciate like I don't like him. I don't at appreciate all. it, but I get it. <laughs> I don't like him either. I don't like him either. But you know, whatever. You know, he's in a World Cup final. He probably this will never happen again, and you know, it is what it is. Yeah, uh, I, I just, I don't know. Well, back to uh, back to Mbappe. He uh, he converted that penalty, took it to three three, which sent us two penalties. Oh, he drilled it. Oh man. Yeah, he drilled it, and. And not just sent us to penalties, but I mean, y'all, this, the last 
90 seconds of the game, you had very, very clear-cut chances on both sides of the field that probably should have resulted in, in two more goals. I mean, the game didn't stop. It was absolutely incredible. Um, and, you know, there have been tournaments where you've got – I'm just going to point this out real quick. There have been tournaments where you've got people that have four or five goals, and that's the golden boot winners. I mean, we had Messi on, what, eight goals to end this, and Mbappe on nine? Is that right? So, I mean, it was – to have the golden boot winners, you know, kind of – jockeying back and forth in this game and to have all of the scoring opportunities in this game. I mean, if you thought soccer was not fun and low scoring, I I got texts from people saying that it was the best sporting event that they've ever watched. Oh yeah. That aren't big soccer people. I mean, these, these are people that have been to ice hockey games. So you know that it was good. If they've been to NHL games and they're saying this is the best sporting event they've ever watched mm-hmm. then yeah it probably was and it, it it really was i mean this absolutely as a ravens fan this game was more fun than watching the ravens beat the 49ers yeah this was more fun this was a, an objectively more fun better game with more lights on for the entire time <laughs> yes it was amazing for sure this- so the last two World Cups that have been to penalties, World Cup finals that have been to penalties, or the last one was 2006. And that was... Italy? Italy, France. Mm-hmm. Italy, France. Italy won that one. But, I mean, this game, a goal scored in the seventh minute by Zidane, and then in the 19th minute by Materazzi... And then this is the infamous headbutt. Mm-hmm. So Zidane headbutts somebody and gets sent off in the 110th minute. But that but that was the only excitement the after the 19th minute, and that's it. And then it goes to penalties after that. Yeah, pretty boring. So yeah, just not that great. Um, this game had everything. It had the early goals, then it had the two goals to come back, then it had a goal apiece in in overtime and. Man, the penalties then also, I just, those Argentinians stepped up to the spot and they were all clinical. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they brought in Paulo Dybala, who we've talked about a couple of times, oh, yeah. basically as a penalty taker. He was dealing with an injury throughout the tournament that I didn't realize, but he hadn't played since like September. Um, so they brought him on to take a penalty, but just cool, calm, collected. It helped that they were taking penalties in front of their fans. It's yeah. always a big deal. It's a really big deal. And that's ended up being a bigger deal in this tournament than being the first to take. I think they said in the commentary that in this tournament, even though historic, historically you've got the first team to take uh, is the team to win most of the time. In this tournament, more teams won that took second. So, um, you know, Argentina gets to go second, and they're doing it in front of their fans. And, man, it made a huge difference. Made a huge, huge difference. Yeah. So, yeah, it was what what a game. Yeah, I'm struggling for words still. I mean, it's just incredible though. Absolutely incredible. Absolutely. Yeah. And and so the other thing I want to kind of point out because we've talked about this a little bit, but it's it's super important that people understand like these are not unknown entities to one another. I mean, all of these people 
see each other a lot. And just for sake of comparison here, we have Usman Dembele, who plays for Barcelona. Mm -hmm. Okay, Also playing for Barcelona, historically anyway, was Lionel Messi. And uh, who else? Who else did we have on that Barcelona team? Uh, Griezmann, who's on this, the same team as, as Dembele. So those three guys spent a lot of time together in training. Mm-hmm. Then you have, um, you've got Otamendi, a city guy, mm-hmm. who's played with a bunch of these Frenchies. Um, you've got current teammates in Romero and Hugo Lloris mm-hmm. at Tottenham right now. You've got Griezmann and DePaul, who are current teammates at Madrid. You've got, of course, Messi and Mbappe, who are current teammates at PSG. Mm-hmm. You've got Di Maria and who? Uh, Rabio and is it Teo? Is Teo at PSG? One of I think one of the Hernandez brothers is also at Juventus. So you've got Rabio and Di Maria on the same team at Juventus. Um, Taliaficos, he's in. He's in the Edervice, so he's not. But at the very least, then, you've got Martinez, the Argentinian goalie, who is playing in Premier League. You've got Mpamencano, who he's... Oh, he's another Barcelona guy. Ferran, who's a Manchester United guy. (laughs) We didn't see Martinez, a central defender on the Argentinian side, but uh, he played in a couple of games earlier in the tournament, and he is the center-back pairing with Ferran at Manchester United. So, I mean... We could go on and on. All of these guys know each other very, very well, not because they play professional soccer only, but because almost everybody on this team, with a few exceptions, either has a current teammate on the other team or has, in recent years, been on the same team as one of these other guys. Mm -hmm. So there's a ton of familiarity when it comes to tendencies and understanding and, and everything else. These are not unfamiliar opponents, but, man, did they all show up and play very differently than they do for club and put everything out there on the field. I mean, you had McAllister and Enzo Fernandez. Those guys were running everywhere, and they were cramping up by the end. DePaul, same thing. I, th- I don't think he – like, he had to roll off the field when he got sick. Yeah. I mean, the dude was down with cramps a bunch of times, and he just was on the sideline, and they put his number up, and he was like, oh, thank God, and just rolled off the field. So – these people put in a ton of effort, and I just I cannot commend them enough for just the incredible amount of entertainment that this game provided. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't I don't think I don't think that we will ever I I mean I hope we do, but I don't know that we will ever see a World Cup final like this again. Yeah, I kind of this was amazing. I kind of doubt it, um, but um, yeah, I'm just riding the wave now. It's I'm still like. It was so good. I um, I agree. I don't think we'll see one like it, but um, we got to see this one. We got to see it with Messi. Um, we got to see it with Mbappe, who we'll see for years to come. Um, and I was seeing some stat about like at players with active World Cup goals, and it's like Messi was at. 11 maybe goals in the World Cup, Mbappe was at 10, maybe Mueller was at 10 or something. But they're like, <laughs> of active players, they have the most World Cup goals. And of course, Mbappe's only 23. But um, 
Yeah, just absolutely. It's so crazy. Um, I mean, he's been to two tournaments and he's been to two finals, so he's had the most games to be able to do it in. Yep, you know that helps for sure. If France go out in the group stage, you'll see those go down a little bit. Oh, I do want to point out also, you brought up the uh, Di Maria, whether it was his first World Cup goal. Uh-huh. I think his first World Cup goal was last World Cup, and he played in five games, scored one goal. Guess who he scored against? Uh, France. France. <sighs> That was his only goal in the last World Cup. So, man, don't put him on the field against France. You could you could trot out a 45-year-old Di Maria, and he'd probably put one in against France. Listen, people talk about that. people talk about sports and how you couldn't write better stories than some of the ones we see. And this this tournament, this final especially, was just um, full of them. Uh, you love it. You love to see it. Um, it I think it cements Messi. I, I guess there was some, uh, I mean, I think if he retired without a World Cup, that would always kind of hang over his head. Um, Diego Maradona was kind of like the Argentine great from the past who had a World Cup. So if um, if Messi, like, never got one, you'd, you'd have people who could make that argument, I guess, um, about about. Maybe. Yeah, I do think that I do think that Messi's going to do less cocaine in his lifetime. You would think um, it's kind of fallen out of fashion, um, at least in my circles. It's not what it was back then. <laughs> yeah. Um, so maybe uh, <laughs> maybe we'll see a uh, more graceful retirement from Messi. Um, but yeah, I I'm just so happy with uh, with everything about it, how it turned out. It was great. So, you know, the last Argentina won the World Cup in 78 and then 86. Of course, they were hosts in 78. But 86 is that Maradona win, right? So that that tournament takes place in uh, Mexico in 1986. It goes from the 30th of May to the 29th of June, okay? Almost exactly a year later, on the 24th of June, in 1987, Messi is born. Mm-hmm. So this is, I mean, it's his entire life. There hasn't been a World Cup that's been brought home to Argentina. And so, you know, he's he's now brought one back. And, you know, he, he would have always been compared as far as ability is concerned. But it would have been the Dan Marino argument. It would have been the Dan Marino was the best passer of the ball, but never won a Super Bowl. So... Is he really in the same breath as Peyton Manning or Tom Brady? You know, and and the answer is you, you can't. It depends on what you value, but there are very, very, very few players that have won multiple World Cups. I'm trying to think. Uh, Zidane, maybe. Yeah, we have to. No, he didn't because they lost. They lost 06. Yeah, we have to go back to that back to back conversation. Yeah. Um, who have who have been the repeats most likely? Yeah. So Brazil, so some of those Brazilian players. Um, but, I mean, the point is, like, you just don't win a lot of these things. You probably only ever win one. Uh, Mbappe came very close to two. It, he might never get to another final. Uh, but, man, how special is this, that this guy is not just the most individually talented player that we have ever seen, but that he caps off his career and definitely his international career uh, with... A, a World Cup win 
I mean, he'll. Ne- I I don't think he should ever put the Argentina jersey back on. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of players retire. You saw people, legendary players like Alan Shearer, hang it up at twenty nine internationally. Uh, you saw Steven Gerrard hang it up at thirty thirty. I think he was only thirty. So you know, even Lampard put it up at thirty thirty one. So a lot of those legendary players for for country hung it up pretty early. And you know Messi's thirty five here. This is this is the last time he should be in an Argentina jersey. Yeah, just this should be the memory. I never want to see it again. I never want to see number ten Messi ever again. Yeah, only <laughs> only at parades and uh, and special events, I guess. Um, was... Only when he's fat and happy and retired. Yeah, nice to see. Uh, he got to celebrate with his lifelong friend Sergio Aguero, who uh, has retired from international football. But um, has well, Guerrero's retired from all football because he has that heart thing, right? Uh, yes, he is retired from all football. I um, I was just thinking Argentina in particular, but um, yeah, that I mean, he had a great career. Um, they're like, uh, one of them is the other's children's godfather, so they're like super close. Um, yeah, and uh. Got to celebrate with yeah, his friends. Yeah, so, so Aguero retired. He required he retired last May at the end of his first season in Barcelona because he had a cardiac arrhythmia. Um, so he had a heart problem that, that forced him into retirement. Otherwise, he would have been in this team. Yeah, and that that's a little bit heartbreaking for me because Aguero. I mean, what an exceptional player! Um, but he would have been in the team at the expense of somebody like maybe even Julian Alvarez, who right was amazing this tournament yeah it was amazing it's hard to believe that he is the backup to erling holland it makes me a little bit angry (laughs) well yeah i mean i've been i've been angry at manchester city's backups for what like seven eight years now so uh i'm a little bit i mean they they could win they could win the team they could win the league if they swapped out their entire starting 11 so yeah Screw those guys. Yeah. If um, we can go back, I think, to the game. One thing I don't know we stressed enough were some of the saves made during regulation. Um, oh. Good grief. Oh. Like, there was – it was must have been, like, 119th minute. Um, a French player gets through, ball's bouncing over his shoulder, t- hits it one time, and Martinez throws his foot out. Like, absolutely phenomenal save. There were some there were some unreal unreal game saving um, plays by the keepers uh, as well during regulation. Like something else you love to see, not just the goals but the saves. So exciting. Well, Larice Larice palmed one over that Messi hit the actual crap out. Oh yeah, from the top of the eighteen, he drilled it. Now it was kind of right if it at had him. Been to one side or the other. Yep. Larice wouldn't have been able to save it. Yeah. It doesn't matter. I mean, but. He got a hand up there, and he had to get all of the hand up there because Messi drilled it, and man, it was such a great save. Yeah, it was bending. Some people look at that and they say, oh, well, it's kind of right at him. But yeah, yeah, you put your hand in front of it and tell me if it goes in the net. (laughs) Yeah. It would. I promise. The shot was also bending. So it was hard. It was sort of in the middle, but it was also bending. Like It could have easily still gone in on on a good keeper or on even a great keeper on the wrong time. So it was a good save, no doubt. Well, Jordan Pickford wouldn't have been able to reach it. Well, he, I mean, his forehead might have been able to make contact, but yeah, not his hand, not his palm. He needed he needed a little more gel in there to be able to reach that one, but yeah. 
They might the country might have been out of jail well, by that part of the tournament. Yeah. <laughs> I think they already were. <laughs> you didn't see any gel in the Argentinian players there, so Yeah. And Drew, I think he just gets perms. Did you see it didn't move the entire game? Even when he's sweating, his hair is completely dry and perfect. Yeah. I love him so much. <laughs> Man, he's already got his World Cup though. He's fine. Yeah, he's just fine. He'll live. So for those of you that don't know, I, I just I, I do want to go back to Aguero for a second because Aguero was just such an exceptional player in in the Premier League for Manchester City for a lot of years and and then uh, for Argentina as well and and you know as Josh said one of Messi's best best friends. This guy, I told Josh after the game was over that Aguero was like at the brink of the stands in his jersey in his Argentina jersey. <laughs> yeah. With like sneakers and shorts on. And the second that that penalty went in, he was on the field and nobody stopped him. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's running out of the stands straight onto the field with his jersey on and he's hugging everybody and high-fiving like it was his win. And you know, it was his win. Yeah. I think the evolution of this Argentina team has been really really cool. You know, I think uh their coach, this is a guy that's a, a, an unsung hero in a lot of respects. So uh, his name is going to evade me right now. but Lionel? Man, Scaloni. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's the same as Messi. Interesting. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he's Scaloni was an assistant to the former Argentinian coach who got let go, then was made like co-caretaker manager for a little bit, mm-hmm. and then was made like full interim manager and then was made manager but this dude has won like 50 games with Argentina at this point. Yep. And he has taken he's taken this Argentina team and has turned them from a very very um so he's coached 57 games, won 37 of them, only lost 5 games. Five. Unreal. But he took this this Argentinian team who was built around Messi and was basically designed in kind of the mid-2010s as a, we're going to win by scoring more goals than them. That was the entire MO. And he came out and he drilled in a very, very disciplined uh, defensive team and, you know, has has put a lot of confidence into these guys and they went out and won the Copa America like we talked about in what 2019 and now win this World Cup and it's just man it's so fun to see um yeah it's so fun to see I mean that that is a that's just a really cool story in and of itself and in comparison to a lot of these other coaches this guy makes like 300 grand a year yeah Argentine pesos too a year (laughs) yeah well actually I think his salary is actually in euros (laughs) Good. <laughs> I think he actually gets paid in euros. So yeah, yeah. But I mean, that's sure. It's that's a lot of money. That's more than the average person makes. But but this is a guy that's won thirty seven games and just coached the team to a World Cup. Yeah, he could probably ask for a raise at this point. But um, I think he's I think he's probably. Well, I mean, he should be making more than Nick Saban. <laughs> Let's just be honest. Um, especially. So I saw an interesting thing. We were talking season. a little bit about the U.S. coach. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Exactly. But we were talking about the U.S. coach search, and, and something that was really fascinating to me, I saw this stat pop up in uh, ahead of the quarterfinals. So no coach, 
that was not of the nationality they are coaching has ever won a World Cup. Huh. That's surprising. And in the quarterfinals this year, every single team was coached by a national of that country. Hmm. Isn't that crazy? It is. I'm trying to think. Um, Like, the United States has had some foreign coaches in the past. I think a lot of the African countries. So is England. I think a lot of the African countries will tend to have foreign coaches. Um, yep. South Korea probably as well. I th- I know I saw some. Um, yeah, Van Hall coach there. Yeah. Yep. So um, yeah, that's uh. I mean, I'm I'm all for uh, I'm all for keeping it within the uh, <laughs> within the nationality. Yeah, I think we need to do some some coaching clinics though. Then for the Americans. Oh no, not for us. We need to buy. Or maybe not. No, I don't know. We need to buy the. We can't with anybody. Yeah, no. <laughs> no, you misunderstood me. I meant for. We need I to go meant, buy a foreign coach. I meant for other yeah, countries right. who are going to lose and we're going to win because we. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, for all the other people. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it's um, it, it's it's an interesting thing, and it, it it does change my perspective a little bit about the U.S. coaching search, and hopefully, you know. God forbid Burhalter's actually back, but um, it does it changes my perspective a little bit on that. And, and I think there is an element of just national pride that has to go into, into a job like this. Mm-hmm. Um, as long as that's not also mixed up with the BS that we saw with uh, with the Burhalter hire to begin with. Yeah. Um, as long as there's there's not politicking involved, there's always going to be a little a little bit of politicking involved. But as long as there's not that level of of politicking involved. So yeah, the coaching search for the U S it changed my mind a little bit on it, but it was a really interesting stat. And to see that every team in the quarterfinals had a coach that was of that nationality was, was pretty cool. So, well, Josh, what else do you have to say before we wrap this tournament up? Yeah, I think I, uh, I needed to go back more during our podcast and, um, you know, just berate the Iranian government. I think I only did that once, and I really should have, like, laid into him a few more times. So uh, you guys, I said you were jerks, I think, well, before. In, in your defense, we did have, like, we did have, like, 10 Iranian downloads the next day. So yeah, I, think I was, you know, I, we had to I'll be honest, I was a little nervous about the cyber attacks, yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, if you're, if you're not in the Iranian government and you're listening right now, um, keep on keeping on. <laughs> You uh, you, you know. Yes, yeah, shed the yoke of tyranny. <laughs> we're uh, we're rooting for you over here. Um, what else? What Let else? Freedom ring. Yeah. From the deserts of Iran to the deserts of Iran. Yeah, we could use some freedom in our deserts too. Um, yep. Looking at you, Arizona. Um, <laughs> anything else we need to say about this tournament? About the whole, the whole shebang. I, I I don't think so. I, I will say, just you know, we'd love to hear from you guys. Oh, yeah. Um, Josh and I are toying with the idea of of continuing on and seeing if uh, if we can do a you know once every week or two type thing where we track the U.S. squad and talk about the Premier League and and just kind of continue on through some of the upcoming tournaments over the next few years. You know, the, the Euros is only in 18 months, so that's another great tournament that everyone should watch just to continue to get accustomed with the players and the tournament style. Mm-hmm. Also, the U.S. and Canada are both invites to the Copa America in 18 months. Huh. 
so that could be a really, really fun tournament. So, you know, we'll be competing against Argentina and Brazil and, and uh, all of the other South American teams that are in that tournament. Um, so that'll be, that'll be a fun tournament to see too. So we'd, we'd love to hear from you because, you know, this is something that we, we might keep going. We really enjoyed doing it. Yeah, reach out for sure. And um, it's been fun, Owen. Appreciate you, uh, appreciate you asking me to do this. Hey, I have all the love for you, Josh. And uh, we'll talk more about Liverpool transfers if we if we keep going here. But I think McAllister is the answer, uh, not not Enzo. Listen, McAllister and Bellingham to Liverpool next summer, and we'll be uh, we'll be pretty happy. I saw I saw a headline that uh, I will we'll save this for the next episode. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening. What a tournament we had. Josh and I enjoyed covering it. Uh, Just a reminder, this episode and all episodes have been brought to you by Homekeeper, simplifying home maintenance for busy homeowners. You can check them out at thehkapp.com. That's T-H-E-H-K-A-P-P dot com. Josh? No sponsors on my end. So (laughs) no sponsors worth mentioning. See you, everybody. (laughs) Cheers. All right. See ya.